porches and entryways today, and basically that that kind of first impression, really. That, it really um, is. It all comes to play. It, the whole thing is um, the front yard is is such a a random spotty thing that we seem to landscape, and because we've done so many really fun and interesting front yards, and have really developed a certain style of doing front yards that involves three three um, approaches. We thought we'd cover that today. So if you're thinking about redoing your front yard, if you're thinking about redoing the way things look as you drive by or just that whole curb appeal thing or you just want it to be more welcoming or perhaps you really wish you could own a home with a front porch, this is the show for you. So we're going to have a great time covering all those items today. And then we will... um, See if we can get a few photos up on the webpage to show you some before and afters of what happens when you really address a front yard. It's really interesting how the front yard so often seems like street right-of-way. And it's, it's kind of a, a crazy thing. We spend all this money to have a home out there in the front and, we, you know, the, the little piece of property around our homes. And then we basically relegate the front yard to street. Don't we, you? We don't I, I agree with that 100%. When we're looking to purchase a home, don't you think we, we walking up to the house, we always say, I think every home I've ever purchased and or viewed to buy, I always felt like, well, I can fix this. <laughs> I can fix this, right? Yeah. I mean, and curb appeal usually narrow. means a couple flats of color. Yeah. However, I must say, I did say something during this presentation last week at the Arbor Gate that many people immediately chuckled at. And um, I think I'm going to go on. I'm going to straight out go on with this and get myself in trouble with realtors because realtors are the number one reason people don't fix up their homes. I really do believe the number one reason (gasps) people do not decide, let's get this place really great for us, is that the realtor will let you know if you've got money to spend into your home, you didn't buy a house that's expensive enough because their number one goal is to have you spend every dime you have to get into a home and then find out in three weeks that the neighborhood's falling apart, so you have to move. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. I'm, now because I they know don't make any, right? Realtors are going to go crazy right now when I'm saying this. But I'm telling you right now, they do not want you spending any significant amount of money fixing up your home. They want you to move. That is their goal. Their goal is to sell houses. Not even to sell them for the highest profit. They want you to sell a house and move on down the road. Buy another one. Buy another one. Buy another <laughs> one. And I'm telling you, That's that funny. is absolutely, it goes against everything that we do as a profession. Well, then why are homeowners getting counsel from a real estate person then? I mean, why why do you go there for advice? Um, that is a good question. Maybe we'll do a whole show on that. But I, You know, I liked your, your talk when you were talking about you know, people investing in the home and, you know, we create our memories there and it's really our, our underlying force. But you went further to say, you know, what is it that we buy that we're expecting to get our money out of? Jewelry? When we buy jewelry, do we hope, boy, when I sell this, no. I'm going to get my money no, out? No, you don't or... think you're going to sell that diamond bracelet later? Even the cars. When we buy our cars. You know you're not selling your car later to make we money? We will never make our money on that. And vacation, then, though. You get your money. No, you never. don't make your money on when vacation. When we spend money on vacation or we spend more money because we want to do it even better next year than that we That dinner you had. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. The wedding. The wedding you paid for, you're going to get your money... No, you don't get your money back. Weddings are a huge example. Why? People spend Why? more money on a one-day, eight-hour event than they will in their own backyard. Well, I don't even mind that. There five to you ten know what? years. Because you're doing things for memories. No, if what you I'm get saying is it doesn't make sense. They would do it there but not there. So, yes, if you're going to do it, 
your investment ought to be in the thing that you value, right? Right. That's right. And if you so, so but you know, it's okay. Just uh, <laughs> oh no, Anyhow, I'm going to hammer like, this Bill, point said, home. Well, we might because move. We it might. has hit me so many times in the last year. My realtor says I shouldn't. You know what? We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what realtors really want out of you, and what designers who want to develop beautiful places are hoping to provide for you. And then and you make your own clear. They are completely. Right? They're diametrically opposed from each other. But maybe I'm getting too riled up. But we are going to be talking about front yards, and I keep getting off the subject and getting people angry Like ang- a preacher. Angry you could go into being a pastor. I know. I really could. Well, I was going to be a priest at one point. Well, there you go. But um, anyway, front yards, they're so beautiful. There are so many reasons to address the front yard with your landscaping. But there's three main reasons. There's three reasons that really make a big difference. One is you just want the nice view. You want the nice view for the folks walking by. You want the quote-unquote curb appeal. You want it to be great for people on the bicycles walking their dog after dinner or, um, you know, just for visitors who uh, might be coming by. The other thing is, though, and the visitors coming by is the second thing. You want it to be a welcoming front yard, a welcoming entry. You want to do things so that as people come up to the front door, they know they are supposed to be there, not that they found the wrong house. And I usually mention this one situation, and I think most of you can maybe maybe relate to this. Have you ever gone someplace where you thought you were invited? But goodness gracious, there's no sign that they were... (laughs) No sign Maybe they were expecting they you to be there. Is this the right day? Am I um, early? You go to someone's house where you think they invited you for dinner, but the there's no food. The sausages aren't cooked and uh, <laughs> the grill's not turned on, right? <laughs> there's no drinks. There's and nothing there's going nothing on. happening. And the house is clean, but you're like, hmm. And the folks aren't even there who are all supposed to be there. And you're thinking, I must have missed the date completely. Now, so so that that's the other way. You want to do a, a welcoming front yard. Now, the third is well, really all about front porches. Which most homes do not have, or if they do have, it's a strange, strange, weird way of adding a front porch to a home that's completely non-functional. Now, many of you may have that kind of front porch. You could not put a rocking chair out there if you wanted to. There's just, they got this tight little area that makes no sense. You mean like a railing that's two and a half feet from the house? Right. That's exactly right. And you can't put a chair in there. Can't do and if anything. you did, you couldn't get in the chair if you did get the chair. You might be able to put, if you put some chicken wire along the railing, Aww. you might be able to keep chickens. But other than that, there's nothing go- So, but, but that's sad. You want you need space to have a living, a livable front yard. So those are the three things we're going to discuss as we go through the show. How you achieve each one of those. Many times, just driving by, you look at a yard and say, "Wow, that looks nice," or oh, "I don't know about that one." These are things that make a huge difference in the front yard. And the biggest difference is always the shape of the beds and the shape of your lawn. Use your lawn as a design element. Your lawn should not be left over space. If you go out there and make these little amoeba beds around every group of trees and you do a few bushes out front and then a couple bushes there by the mailbox, which, you know, still doesn't make. Here's the deal. Take a look at your plan. If you were to draw your plan up and you draw your beds and then draw your grass and just look at it and it was only two colors, would you say, wow, that's a beautiful looking design? Or would you say, that's kind of a funky shape. Why do we have that out there? That will give you your first clue on whether or not you're approaching that curb appeal design in the right way. Your design should be 
done so that if you put monkey grass in all the beds, it looks better than everyone else's up and down the street. Well, let me ask you this. You talked um, Saturday, <clears throat> I mean Sunday, I'm sorry, at Arborgate when we were talking about those front yards and you were talking about the shapes of the bed, how important it was that it focused on drawing you into the that's front right. Door. That's right. You want to walk into the concave part of a circle, not the convex. And those of you who forget geometry, you want to walk into the part of the circle which is drawing you in, not sticking out at you. Um, that's why most. So the bed shape should point to the front door. That should just swing around and point right, right. To the it front should door. suck you into the front, not okay. push you away from the front. You okay. shouldn't be walking into a balloon pushing you away. And you also mentioned about the sidewalk that we all have from our front door down to the street, and how that you can just design and ignore it. Go you want right to over completely it. ignore that sidewalk while you're doing design. If you've got a bed line on one side that's going across your yard, forget the sidewalk. Just take it right across the the sidewalk as though it was not there, so you, that. On one side of the sidewalk, the line picks up in the same place it would have gone across, you know, from one side to another. And forget about that sidewalk. That sidewalk does nothing to your front yard usually other than cutting your yard in half. Especially if you have a cul-de-sac lot or a small lot, that front sidewalk is the biggest visual barrier to a pleasing front yard than anything out there. So you want to ignore that and not highlight it by planting up and down the sidewalk. Little dwarf yopons that are out there waiting to salute you on the way to get the morning paper. Where you go out there and you dress up and say, "Good morning, man. Good morning." You salute them at ease, at ease, and you go on down. And pick well, up. Well, and paper. they were cute at a one gallon, maybe I guess, uh, on either side of that two and a half. There's a house not far width. from the office that is lined with sago palms. That, that's <laughs> no joke, sago palms. A sharp, it is tough. Mistake. It huh? is real tough. But that front sidewalk. If you go back into some of these old, fantastic designs that you see at the Versailles Palace or some of these old English estate gardens where you have 12-foot-wide walkways, it might make sense to do planting on both sides. But when you're dealing with a little 4-foot walkway from the street to the house and it's less than 30 feet away, planting on both sides of that walkway only really split up the yard. Well, so. and, and honestly, those sidewalks aren't 4 feet. The builder leaves us, um, you know, 2 feet, 2.5 feet to... Um, get down to the street. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's a, it's a narrow path, and you certainly don't want to highlight it. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, it's a bad joke, and I can't tell you. Oh, okay. But women sometimes have oh. trouble with measurements because the guys lie to them. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking that I don't know that my sidewalk that we ripped out was two and a half feet versus four feet. He's closer <laughs> to ever than doing the show by himself. He forgets. That I I can leave, right? Oh, and anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. <laughs> okay. Back to our front yard. <laughs> our front yard design. Also, keep in mind that the plantings that we deal with, and this is very true what you just said, we forget how big they grow. So we plant these things out in front of the house and they're overgrowing the windows and overgrowing the front little walkway and they just become so crowded. So and you'll this... know within 18 months to two years that that plant's oh, not in the right spot. Right. And it, just remember if the builder put it out there, it does not belong there. That's a good way to remember it. It just doesn't because... Yeah. You're, they're you're... good at building houses and may oh, not. We have a question from the live audience. Okay, so let me, let me clarify... So if the builder puts the two trees 
that are demanded by your neighborhood association out there in your front yard, they're not supposed to be there. Well, the neighborhood association is not made up of people who know anything about design. I agree. Well, or even plants, because right. if you look at the lifelong of an oak tree or that you put, anything. yes, well, two live oaks, two two magnolia trees, and two hollies, and they do look good in a hundred gallon out there for a while. But they grow. What do you do about them? You have to move them pretty quick. We just or actually at least finished. One of them. We just finished doing a project in a backyard where we, um, the man did get the okay from his homeowners association to remove one of the three trees that were demanded in his front yard. And what did he have in his front yard? Two live oaks and a southern magnolia. And the magnolia was put between the two. Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. So they're in a line. <laughs> In a small yard. so But there is a way of actually, you know, you can go out there and say, listen, this just will not work. And you have to go through the process. And I understand it is difficult for the Homeowners Association to write up a set of rules that will work for everybody. But um, hopefully they'll just have some common sense and say, we will make the exception and grant this. Because most people have way too much planted in their front yard. Now, the, the other thing is, it would make more sense to plant these trees out closer to the street. So you start creating that space out there in the front yard. But before we get to that, I want to talk about two things on plant selection outside of size. And the other one is contrast. Many plants are beautiful if they're used in combinations with other ones. Most variegated plants must have a deep, dark background for the plant to show up very well. Now, we've done situations where we talk about dwarf, um, I'm sorry, we talked about variegated pittosporum. Variegated pittosporum can be a nice plant. It does grow very tall. If you keep it clipped back, you can keep it somewhere around four or five feet tall. But it's better up against a green wall covered with fig ivy or a backdrop of Japanese yew, something very, very, very dark green. So then the variegation, uh, the color, that creamy, white, light green color of the variegated pit is a beautiful contrast to that deep, dark green background. If you don't do that, it gets all washed out in the brick, and then you really can't see the plants at Fig all. Fig so, ivy and Japanese yew and So keep in mind, you're looking for contrast. In the same mm -hmm. way, a dwarf yopon can be a beautiful backdrop to Aztec grass, and then in front of that, you use something along the lines of blue Pacific juniper. You have this blue-green color, that really light white color of the Aztec grass, and the deep dark green of the dwarf yopon. Now you're getting the contrast. That's where the interest comes from, is always from contrast. And, and yes, the textures, colors. And, and the textures shapes. is another way. You can use all green, but of different shades of green and different textures of green. And again, a, the example would be the uh, Japanese yew, and then something in front of that with a larger leaf, maybe something along the lines of a, uh, a copper tone loquat with a very large leaf, or a clayera with a very shiny, broad leaf. And then in front of that, you do a light colored green. It could be something along the lines of a uh, a fern, maybe if it's a shady situation, a light-colored fern, different textures going through. You end up with real, a real beautiful contrast. I saw this one planting one time where there was a a, a very rigid um, X-shaped pattern of, of a uh, vine. It was the Carolina jasmine growing in a diamond shape on a fence. And next to that was a variegated privet. And then out in front of the variegated privet were some roses and junipers. And that combination of textures was a beautiful scene and a beautiful focal point. So just keep in mind how you're trying to create a focal point, And then you'll end up with a much better planting scheme out there in the front yard. And there you so. go. Bed shapes are critical. And then we go into the planting. My mom always said, you know, your dad may be from Iowa, 
But remember where your mom's from, North Carolina? You are a Southerner, son. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something about that whole Southern way of inviting people over to making sure they feel welcome. When they walk to the, uh, what we have a, uh, a lady, I think her name was uh, Deborah Jeeves, who wrote this great book on Southern cocktails, which she talked about in the South. You show up when you walk in, people give you, they don't ask if you want something. You're handed a drink as you walk in the door. Now, it doesn't have to be. It could be sweet tea. It could be anything, lemonade. But you walk in and you're, you are invited in. And doing a front entry that invites you in, someplace where you have easy access from where you arrive on the property, um, that walkway, that courtyard that takes you from the driveway over to the front door, the, the plantings that make you feel like, wow, look how beautiful these little blossoms are. It could even be... It could be a flower arrangement of cut flowers by the front door. The little plaques, the little, the sounds of the water that make you feel like, wow, they're glad I'm here. It's this, you know, I'm here. I was on a journey to come over and it could be from next door to borrow a cup of sugar, but you come over and they're glad you're there and you can do it. And they want you to stay. I mean, you know, that sign of handing someone a drink is me. Come on in. (laughs) We're busy doing some stuff. You may be folding laundry or, you know, chasing the kids around or just picking up or putting dinner together, but you want them to feel welcome while they're there. Whatever activities are going on in your home, you can do that in that front porch Your daughter does that. Your your oldest daughter, Jessica, you go to her house, she will continue doing all the work, but you don't realize she's doing it. (laughs) No, it's amazing. She'll have you sitting down, drinking, feeding, feeling wonderful, and she's still accomplishing everything. You just don't realize she still is doing everything. Uh, she has learned to touch people wherever they're at always, um, no matter what on scale. If she's the visitor in the room, she'll make you feel welcome when you walk in the door. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people do that. And in the South, I think I think uh, your brother-in-law Tanner, or my brother-in-law Tanner, is very good when he meets someone. If it's at a restaurant where we're eating, he talks to him just like he was the very best friend. His neighbors, he takes the time. He's, he's as busy as Sean and I are, and yet he takes the time to go over and meet each of his neighbors, learn their names, see if they need any help with anything. He's always willing to, uh, you know, give a hand to whomever might need it. Sean, but the desi- you, you're oh. good about doing that. Well, the that design too. of the front yard will show that if it looks like it's a comfortable place to walk up, if it looks like it was meant to be entered, then you're drawn and into not those locked places. down like Fort Knox, and you're afraid <laughs> right. to go, huh? But that is something which is a beautiful thing, and you can do that. Um, we get back to some of the designs that we talk about. If you have a design that allows you to see where the front door is, that the front door walkway expands, becomes more of a courtyard feel. If there are places where you might think, wow, it looks like you could sit up there and, and chat. If it's a place where the water sound draws you up closer because you're listening to the water and the closer you get to it, it's just, I'm not talking about this huge fountain out in the middle you drive around, right? but just a very small scale, personal scaled planting and water feature by the front door. Um, fragrance by the front door, where as you get close, you think, wow, this smells wonderful. Um, soft lighting in the evening, so you're not worried about where you're going to trip over steps or stairs or whatever. We, we've just... Um, we do so many of these types of designs in front yards where we rip out the old builder's sidewalk and come back and do the uh, and do the little planting area and just make it a very, very cute little courtyard feel as you come in. It makes such a difference, and I think you'll see it really changes how you deal with folks in the neighborhood. How great would it really be if you knew the neighbors, three houses in either direction on your on your home? And... I hate to say it that we don't, we're, we're getting there, 
but you have to be there to in order for it to happen. If you're not out there in the front, most people aren't going to knock on your door. And we really know ask, on either side of us, right? Right, and across the street, mm-hmm. and um, you know, well, some three people doors move. down, we know. We're working on it, but there, <laughs> but the next hour we're going to be talking about the livable front yard, where things really start changing. And we'll go through the ways that you can set that up, things you have to watch out with your neighborhood homeowners association. But it is a way of making that difference. But that, that, you know, some people think, oh, I don't think I want to be out here. Every time we've done this front yard for living, we hear back from the homeowners who say, wow, wow, we just never realized how you could still maintain the feel of a front yard, the look of a front yard, but still have a gathering place where you could live in the front yard without it being hokey looking, without it looking like we're, you know, out there with a a car up on blocks or something like that. And it really makes a big difference. But it's all about the design and using space, which is the main thing a landscape architect does. A landscape architect isn't worried about selling plants or selling bricks or selling walls. We want to we want to design places so the scale of the place makes you feel comfortable. And that scale allows other things to happen. You know, we're kind of the backdrop. A landscape architect wants to design a set for that play of life to happen. So we're talking about these beautiful ways. We need to mention a few, um, maybe just some basic maintenance things while we're talking about front yards. A few things that you might want to keep in mind. Some common problems that front yards have. Like all the water that comes off the roof by the front door. Right. That's pretty typical. One thing you can do, we've done this a few times because you've got that that roof valley that comes off so close and it splatters everywhere and people come up and, you know, it's raining and they're getting wet. You can actually take a big pot and break the bottom out of it and use that one pot as a reservoir for the water to go into and do your drain at the very bottom of that pot so it captures the water, it doesn't splatter around. And then put some other pots with flowers and things coming out of that. So maybe you have three or four pots total. But one is empty, and the water just pours off the roof, goes right into it, and you have a big open drain in the bottom tied to some pipe that goes out to the street. So it just looks like a decorative pot until it's functional, right? Mm -hmm. Just one thing you can do about the water there. So that might be one thing to keep in mind. Something else that bothers a lot of people. There are a lot of people we do work for who have three-car garages. They've got the two cars, the double door, a little bit of brick space or some type of space, and then that recessed, or maybe at the same same parallel, another door for the third bay of the garage. Sometimes you think that you're on a uh, aircraft carrier when you're in that driveway. It's a huge driveway <laughs> for three cars. One thing that we did on our driveway, and we did it on a few other jobs um, since then, is when we rebuilt the driveway, and of course this is, it's not a small thing, but we actually redid the driveway with pavers, creating that paver courtyard that we're going to be talking about in just a few minutes here. We actually planted trees in the driveway. In that space between the double car I was waiting to hear hear, hear the howling from people. (laughs) Plant trees in the driveway? That guy out of his mind. But actually, there is about a four-foot space between the double garage door and the single garage door, that third bay. And you really could come out. In ours, we kind of came out away from the garage about, I guess it's about 15 feet. We have two Japanese blueberries planted, and it really softens up the driveway a lot. Mm -hmm. The driveway no longer seems to be, and it actually shades that one side of the uh, driveway quite well, too. So just the thing to keep in mind, you can can do that without it being a difficult problem driving in and out of the driveway. Do do you feel like that that's a challenge when you talk about um, 
uniting that front porch with the driveway. People see so much hardscape when you're looking down at the plan, that bird's eye view, that they don't realize with the textures of the trees that the um, vertical entrance into the house, how that's um, all softened up with Almost every the design we have done for front yard, I think we have to do a lot of conceptual blockbusting with our clients. I think they have a huge problem with planting by the street, a large bed by the street, as opposed to just a few plants that are out there lollygagging with the mailbox. <laughs> I'm really, right. you know, those couple plants that people just stick down by the mailbox. I think that the idea of doing a large bed down there to create a space between the street and your house is a a big problem for a lot of people. I think the idea of creating a large courtyard living area in the front yard really is something that people have a hard time just grasping and getting their mind around and say, wow, really? I think that's very true. I think the idea of doing a terraced front yard, which we do quite a bit when we're creating these living spaces, that is a very difficult concept. People just don't think there really is enough slope between their front door and the street. And they don't realize they really have 24 to 36 inches of drop out there. And even just a simple, you know, step down in elevation, how grand and beautiful, even if you're going to continue the slope on the bottom one and not really go completely parallel with the street. You're right, but it makes such a visual difference, such a spatial difference. And I think the idea of using your driveway for something other than a place for cars is a very difficult concept. Well, you've been, you know, blending or uniting that sidewalk from the front door to the driveway and that nice um, transition, which really goes unnoticed because you don't know if it is walkway or driveway. And yet both the driveway, you know, becomes part of that sidewalk. If it's to get your mail or if it's just expand the additional space needed coming up the apron. Well, how about when you're sitting out there and the grandkids are out there and not only do they have their little trikes that they can play on, but they walk up to the fountain. They love getting their hands in the fountain. They love sitting out there. You have a shady place on the bench or in the rocking chairs. We've now created a whole nother living space. And most people don't have huge patios in the backyard where the kids can ride their trikes around on. But if you put a place out there where the driveway and the courtyard come together and you have the shade and you have the comfortable seating and you have the flowers on the on the mountain laurel and the climbing rose and the bougainvillea and the and the uh, the crepe myrtle and the plumbago and the lantana, you have all this massive bloom color coming out. And then the, the little pots that are out there and the fragrance from the jasmine, the sound of the water the sound of the kids laughing, you're thinking, wow, isn't this what it's all about right here? This is why we create these spaces so all this stuff can come together. And then you may be out there reading early in the morning or late in the evening, but it's it's a place where you can gather where the neighbors can come by. And how, how great would it be just as you're driving around right now, taking your kids to a soccer game or whatever you're out, you're out there on the way to church or on the way to play golf or, or whatever it is, think of how great it would be if you could come home and sit and a little courtyard in the front, and neighbors could stop by and say hi, and you could chat with them for a few minutes. Um, you can share your life story with each other. Well, I have to say, we know that um, you guys are desperate for that we are just as human, because when we go, even think of places around town where you go and people are sitting outside um, in a table on a you know a very tiny little overhang off of uh, Starbucks, for instance. <laughs> those those people out there sitting with their coffee, reading the newspaper, they've got a tiny little cafe table and chairs, right. and they're squeezed up against that building. People want to be outside. 
drinking their coffee, having their morning paper. People doing love those the things. morning cafe. If you had right. it at home, you probably would never go. And, you know, the restaurants that we go to that extend their um, dining outside onto the patio where they're having to do it between the building and the parking lot, we still sit out there. And it's unusual for me to see that. I, I'm I'm floored why that would be a comfortable space out there. I, I almost never choose that outdoor eating when I'm out. But I love to eat outdoors. I love the, the canopy of the oak tree over our table. I love the... The um, I guess the warmth of the grass and the the boundaries that we have that we set by putting that bed out there by the street and and really embracing our yard on our side instead of it being street or right away we want that protection even though it's just a simple bed with a tree in that canopy with some juniper out there. It's not going to stop the ninja turtles, but it does give you a little visual break there so that. And, you know, it's interesting, we just finished a job, and we've mentioned it many times, uh, Wayne and Carol, we did their, their whole pool redo. We changed out their driveway not too long ago. We just finished their front yard. We did their front yard as an, uh, a livable space. And I was over there just a couple days ago, and I drive up, and there they are sitting out there with their friends down the street having a glass of wine. It was about 5.30 in the evening. They're sitting there in the shade. The water's going. And it was just, I thought... This is why we, this is it. We, we've captured that part of life that can now take place there, which could not happen before. So we've gotten into the place. We've talked about looking good. We've talked about welcoming. But it's that sitting in the front yard and enjoying your life, using it as a courtyard, as a patio, as a livable space. And you asked before, Blenda, that, you know, it's, it's amazing how people have a hard time grasping the idea that you can do this in your front yard. They're worried about the HOA. They're worried about how strange it's going to look compared to the rest of the neighborhood. And it really is, we have to tell people the address when people <laughs> go by. You know, I mean, to, to show you how it can blend in, we have to give people the address because they'll drive by it and then miss it. And come, oh, oh my gosh, that is a little, that is a front courtyard. We didn't notice it. Drive, we noticed it was pretty. We noticed that it was lovely looking. It was beautiful. It was welcoming, but... There is a patio. There's a courtyard there you can see. Well, and it's comfortable when we have people that are walking by. I mean, I've driven home and there have been people standing in our driveway looking down at the fountain and, you know, the (laughs) bubblers. And I just pull in and say hi and they they scurry off. And the truth is we're not standing in their yard, though, right? They want to see why, you know, we've created that place, why we're using that. And we are outside as often as we can be. It's not near enough. If we were retired, it would be (laughs) all the time. I love being out there and creating that place. And you guys can have it, too. When you drive home, you ought to feel like, wow, this place could be created into that space that you've always wanted it to be. If it's sitting outside and talking to your neighbors or just having some neighborhood security. I mean, we ought to know our neighbors. And it is easy for me. I tell people, and it can be scary. I say the ways I can spend your money are endless as a designer. But, you know, I'm honest about it. At least I tell people straight up. I don't want to, I don't want anyone to overspend in their front yard right. and do something that causes them not to be able to pay their electricity. But on the other hand, this is your house. It is where you live. And we always tell that story about how people put sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 into their cars that they're going to get rid of in five years. But they feel like they're overspending on their home where they're going to be living forever, developing these beautiful memories. And it's their life. It's, it's how they live. And there is something which is very heartwarming when you you see people sitting out front talking to the neighbors and they've got a place where they can sit there. They see them playing with their kids or their grandkids out there. And it changes neighborhoods. It makes a huge difference. A lot of it comes to understanding how the scale works and how things really come together. But that's where an architectural designer makes a difference. Someone who understands how to build something where the scale is perfect 
and how the space encourages the lifestyle that you're hoping for. And, and that's why we'd really encourage you to give us a call and check things out, see what it looks like. We've done so many of these yards and every single time without exception, without exception, people say, this is some of the best money we've ever spent creating this livable space out here. I think that's a very good point. I think a lot of times when we do invest in something and we're using that product, um, then you, then you don't, you're not fearful. You're more apt to do it again and again because it is something that you're using, you're consuming, you're living out there when we build a backyard and then we get the front yard. We've got several customers now. Um, Peggy's one that we love to talk about. We She took a step of faith with us when we did her backyard pond and she loved that backyard and how we did it and we ended up taking those pavers across across the front of the garage and down the driveway, built that front yard. And guess what? Her favorite place in her yard is the front yard now. She'll tell it to you. She sits out there. She knows her neighbors. People drive by, look at her yard, get out and tell her how beautiful it is. People that walk by or ride their bikes, her neighbors. And uh, she loves the activity. It's become part of her now. That yard is a huge place. We did it for uh, Wayne and Carol. And in doing their backyard, they found out, you know, they'd had that pool and it was a simple pool remodel. And we went out there and helped them reclaim that space that they had really just unite that pool with the property and they used it more and more they got excited about building um, you know buying furniture and, and putting those accessories out there around it they used that space they were not hesitant at all to do the front yard and the Evans came by last week who were doing their backyard now but we did their front yard up in the woodlands and did they were they were first. worried also about what's going to happen is the HOA going to allow this and, and they she talked heard about her neighbor right the neighbor <laughs> came over and we've done a project oh for yes her they've neighbor. gotten to know the neighbor out there but they talked about they had one one request from the HOA Please don't put any plastic patio furniture out here and don't build a barbecue pit. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to look nice, but don't dumb it down. Huh? Because Well, they're just saying it's going to look right. so great. I uh-huh. mean, it's just, exactly. but they are. It, it, over and over, we create these outdoor living places, and you can have a beautiful front yard that looks like it blends in with the neighborhood where you still have a private, pay, uh, kind of a semi private place out there in the front yard, but you have all of the advantages of a front porch. And that's the idea, that whole idea of that front porch where you're out there. It's this community gathering place, and it just makes an absolutely beautiful welcoming area, not only for visitors who are coming by. It's beautiful as people walk by for, you know, the, the uh, just a plain curb appeal. But it also takes care of that third function of living outdoors and giving you another patio. And face it, most people either have sun or shade in the back or front yard. And if you can develop both places... Not only do you extend the square footage of your living space, but you also have something for different times of year or different times of day. It's huge. That's There's many huge. people say they'll go out and have their morning coffee in the front yard because it's shady there. Mm-hmm. And then they'll move to the backyard where they don't want to let people know they enjoy those other kinds of beverages. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, it's, it's kind of fun. I, uh, um, I, I've recently just started sitting outside in the front um in the evenings when I come home, hoping mm-hmm. I can catch Norm down the street because I know he'll be outside and try to say, okay, let's uh, let's start. I would love to have four or five people three times a week or so gathering in the front yard, sitting there just the discussing the day, the day kind of talk about what discussing their lives. And, and I think that's one of the, the great things about um, where we live is talking about people's backgrounds. You know, you've got people who barely got out of high school living next door to people with PhDs and everyone just trying to hack through life and do things better for their kids. And it's amazing. We get all these backgrounds from the different nationalities and find out what we have in common. And you find that out many times by sitting out there and 
sharing a glass of wine or uh, a beer with somebody or sweet or, tea. Or sweet tea. <laughs> so, well, it's true though. But that place you have out front, you can see it from inside your house out. That view from inside your house out is going to just expand more and more of your interior space as well. So it's never a waste to do a design. Give us a call at Mirror Lake. We'd love to talk with you. And that's who we are, Mirror Lake Landscape Pools and Waterfalls. Okay. <laughs> Until next week, Michael Sean, along with Blenda and Kelly. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warmly upon your face and the rain fall gently upon your fields. And good people, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. <laughs>